Blog Talk Radio. Energy Awareness Radio. I am a certified reconnected healing practitioner, 
sound therapist, and positive psychology practitioner with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where we are streaming to you live as we do every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Our chat room is open as usual, so feel free to join the discussion that hopefully is already going online. We do keep an eye on the chat room. If you have a question, go ahead and post it. We'll do our best to get your question on air. As an alternative, for those of you who are on the go, you can't continue to listen online, call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227, and that way you can listen via phone, or please be sure to use your Bluetooth if you are driving about. Okay, today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. With Audible.com, you can listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want, and you can get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. Now remember, you have to go to that link in order to get your free book when you sign up for the 30-day trial. It's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. You know, we've all heard that we really need to be greener. That's a great goal, but sometimes, well, you know, the greener we're told to become, the more we resist because we feel if we're truly going to make a significant impact, we need to get rid of our cars and ride bikes or not watch TV or not have the comfort of air conditioning or otherwise be totally inconvenienced. After all, why were all these things invented and marketed and still being sold if it's so bad for us and the planet, right? They tell us that things are good one day and bad the next day, and quite frankly, it's all too much to keep track of, and my little corner of the world isn't causing so much harm now, is it? Let's just all live the way we want and not worry about the earth becoming one massive dump site because we'll be dead by the time that happens anyway, right? Wrong. That's the attitude of the unthinking culture, and to try to change that attitude can be more than a daunting undertaking. Enter in tonight's guest, Madeline Somerville, author of All You Need Is Less, The Eco-Friendly Guide to Guilt-Free Green Living and Stress-Free Simplicity. Madeline adores writing in all its incarnations, and she has a popular blog at sweetmadeline.ca. She has a BA in sociology, and she became an unrepentant tree-hugging hippie after moving to British Columbia eight years ago. And tonight, she's going to share with us some very low effort, not your typical over-the-top, time-consuming, or self-sacrificing ways to make an impact that is both easy to do and simple to incorporate into our everyday lives. So be sure to listen because you may learn something and do good for not just the planet, but also for your heart. Good evening, Madeline. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you being this evening? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. You're quite welcome. You know, your book, it's really terrific because everything is simple and really effortless. There's not really a lot of things that, there are a couple of things that might take a lot, like the kitty litter thing. I, you know, I'm just not going to do it. I'll be <laughs> just not making my own kitty litter, no. <laughs> but it's, the book is divided into these 20 chapters in each one. So you can look things up by chapter, by pet, by baby, by holiday, by, you know, uh, Oh, gosh, product, not product, I'm sorry, but by home, you know, things that, are in, that you need to do in the home, food, drink, gardening. It's all, even body, it's all really well categorized so one can look up things to see what can I do in this area that may work for me. And I liked that as well as all of the, the tips and the recipes, if you will, that are in there. And I have to say, I've read a lot of books on green living, and, you know, it's, this one just really does allow people to make these small changes that will make a huge impact. I kind of look at it as random acts of kindness for all of us on the planet 
and now the planet itself and future generations. So, you know, that's, that's the great part about the book. But your background is in sociology, which includes social causes, and, and I get that that's consequences of human behavior. So I can see that there's mm-hmm. a clear link to environmental issues. But how did that, or was that, the catalyst for your writing this book? Well, I think it's, I mean, having that sociology background has affected the way I think about things, and I'm sure it had an effect on how I approached this. Um, I remember one of my professors talking about crime rates, and he was talking about how everyone always, you know, in the media, it's always stressing out about, you know, there's a 10% crime rate, and isn't that horrific? And then this professor sort of said, in sociology, we look at the other 90%, why aren't they committing crimes? And that was the interesting part for sociologists. So that's sort of how I look at it as well, is not, you know, why aren't 90% of people not taking these green initiatives and not recycling or not doing whatever and and looking at the 10% of people that are or, you know, whatever percentage it actually is and trying to figure out what motivates them and what excites them and why they're doing that and trying to bring that excitement into the, the population that maybe isn't on the bandwagon yet. So I wanted to write a book that was really fun, first of all, that wasn't this, you know, these are huge problems we're facing. It's not something to make light of, but... Nobody wants to sit down and, and read this depressing book about how we're killing the earth and there's no hope and da, 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 da. you know it's just this. It can be so overwhelming because I have felt that way too. So I wanted to write something that would just be a really quick, simple primer for somebody who wants to live a more eco-friendly life but doesn't know where to start. And like you were saying, feels overwhelmed is thinking, if I want to do this whole green thing, I have to give away my fridge, I have to wear all organic clothing, I can't afford that, I don't have the time. You know, I didn't want it to be so complicated. So I just wanted to write a book that, like you said, it's separated into fairly simple chapters so you could pick it up and just reference something if you needed to. Or because I think the way that I've written it is hopefully entertaining enough that you could just kind of sit down and read it like you would any other book and see what part jumps out at you, see what you find that yourself getting excited about and pick that as the place that you would start. And hopefully that motivation and those small successes can just help you keep going with it. You know, I, I did find your book to be fun. It, it is fun. It really is. We have more oh, good. For those <laughs> depressing books. And, and I like the way that you said, you know, a primer, I think, is a good word choice for, for exactly what your book is because it, it is a starter thing. You, you have a great sense of humor, and you're not beating anyone over the head with you need to do this and you must stop doing that, you know, or else we're all mm-hmm. going to die and it will be your fault. That's the typical way I've seen the Going Green <laughs> initiative attempt to change mm-hmm. our culture's thinking. And to me, that's like the fear factor, and it doesn't always work. I think people get turned off by that and just think, oh, well, it won't happen in my lifetime. I have nothing to fear or worry about. Exactly. Your book- and that's the thing is I understand why they approach it like that because, you know, when you're telling somebody, you know, it's better if you don't use air conditioning, and that's, like you were saying, a huge inconvenience, you need to give them a reason why. And what better reason than, you know, our planet won't be here if you keep doing that but it's not immediate it's not something that you're going to feel the effects of next day whereas the next day you are going to be sweating and miserable and you know cursing yourself and wondering why you're doing this so I, I totally get the reasoning behind it but I feel like guilt is not a great motivator I think it tends to make people apathetic and and somewhat defensive too because you're you know if you come across like you're criticizing how somebody's doing something they get defensive and then you know where's the motivation to come over to your team when you're sort of standing there pointing fingers at them true and you know your book it doesn't shove the fear down our throats it it rather explains this in simple terms humorously too I mean I found it to be sometimes it was really funny how we can make a difference individually and I like that because 
to me, every single thing that each one of us does across the board consistently for the greater good, for the collective whole, however you want to put it, adds up and it becomes exponential. At least that's mm-hmm. how I look at it. Is, is That's correct, is it not? Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's a fantastic mindset to get into because otherwise it just seems like what are we really having an effect on just by recycling? You know, you're one person putting your tin can in the recycling bin rather than the garbage. Like it's easy to just kind of think what effect is that having in the grand scheme of things? But it has a huge effect because you're doing it, I'm doing it, millions of other people are doing it. And the cumulative effect of that action is, is unbelievable. It is unbelievable, and, and it reminds me of this time that, you know, I try to be green, and I do think I do the best that I can, but I do get laughed at a lot. I was at a mm-hmm. friend's house with a few other women, and I came out of the bathroom with a cardboard core of the toilet paper in my hand, and the host said, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, I'm sorry, I didn't realize there wasn't any toilet paper, and I told her, you know, it's fine, I put a new roll on, and I said, where is your recycling for cardboard? And she laughed, and she told me she just throws them away, she took it from me and put it in the trash. So, you know, I didn't say anything, it's none of my business, it's her, you know, this is how she runs her household. Now, yeah. that's what she does, you know, and I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, but the people did laugh, and they thought it was humorous that I recycled the cores of paper products like that. <laughs> However, I, you know, I do what feels right for me, and I did find it amusing, even though a few, year, a few years later, actually, when I saw a TV commercial depicting how many cores of toilet paper get thrown away each year. FYI, uh-huh. it's $17 billion, which is enough oh to circle the equator more than 45 times. That's a lot of cardboard. So even though I was laughed at, there are facts that back me up in this case. You had that moment a few four. years later where you said, aha. Yeah, oh, it, it was like 10 years later. You know? I'm like, okay. So even though I was laughed at, you know, I thought, okay, you know, it doesn't matter to me. It's, it's just a matter of – and I look at it like, okay, you're going to throw it out. So if you're going to throw it out in the trash, can't you put a recycle bin next to it and put it in that bin instead? I mean, re- then totally. there's no effort. It's just got to go in yeah. another bin. You know? It's going to leave your house <laughs> some way. But I think that's so important. Like, that's an important story to share because I think, and I mean, that's why I tried to write it in a humorous tone too because I get made fun of all the time too. And I mean, so you kind of have to just start by making fun of yourself because if you just start yeah. and then it just kind of takes the edge off. Like, I had a friend who lived with us for a few months a few years ago. And we wanted to get sushi one night. And so I gave him containers, like reusable, like Tupperware containers to take with him so that he wouldn't come back with all this styrofoam. And he brings it, like, he was so mortified that I was giving him this bag of, like, reusable containers to take with him. He was absolutely mortified. I, like, had to bribe him to do it. He brings it up to this day, brings up how I sent him, and I had to, he had to bring his own containers, and they were all looking at him, and I'm like, but you didn't use styrofoam. Like, that styrofoam would have been in the landfill for the next hundreds of thousands of years, and you didn't do that. I mean, you just, you totally get made fun of. I get made fun of by everybody. And it's kind of just like, it's a joke now because now a lot of my friends and family are kind of adopting the things that I'm doing. And so I've, it's like you, you know, you get laughed at and then they come over to the dark side with you and you say, ah, welcome <laughs> in on the joke. <laughs> it's fantastic. Here, yeah, drink some Kool-Aid. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Welcome. <laughs> you know? We don't mind sharing with you. I find it interesting, though, because, and, and I hope this is, I don't offend anyone when I say this. I don't mean to, but there were, uh, there was a group of women, uh, many of whom had babies, and they were talking about how one woman was knitting a, I don't know what it was called. It was almost like the, um, the plastic that you put around the baby so that the wet doesn't come through. I forget what they oh, call those. Oh, like a those. soaker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly. She was knitting a soaker, okay? And I'm like, what's a soaker? And she told me, and I said, that's just really gross. And she says, well, I don't want to use the other stuff because, you know, when I get rid of it, then what happens to it? And I, I thought about that, and she doesn't use diapers. And I said, mm-hmm. how are diapers made? She said, well, they have the plastic on the back, and then they have all this other stuff. And I said, let me ask you a question. And she said, what? I said, this is for all women on the planet. How many women don't use personal hygiene products for that time of the month? And she looked at me and she goes, well, I don't. And I said, well, how many do you think will fill landfills versus a baby? Because babies can be out of diapers in like 15 months if you're lucky, if you train mm-hmm. them. And so mm-hmm. 15 months of diapers versus 35 years of seven days a month, I'm thinking it either is equal or greater, and I don't know any women who aren't using them. So I'm going to say mm-hmm. keep using the pamper. I mean, you know, yeah. why isn't the government <laughs> involved in making biodegradable stuff? Because really I don't know too many women that would think to do what women did years ago before they came up with these products. But you know what's really funny, and my mother-in-law's here visiting us right now because we just moved, and so she's helping look after my daughter while we unpack and do all that kind of stuff. And she has totally, you know, my whole extended family knows my, my ways, my green ways. And so for my birthday last year, it was my 30th birthday, she gives me this little gift bag, and she kind of is looking sheepish. And I'm wondering, what is this? Like, is this some sort of over-the-hill gift? Or like, you know, because I'm 30, like, I don't know what this is. So I open it, and she's made me reusable pads. Like, this is a thing that people do. They still do it. Like, hippie women over the world are making reusable pads, and it, like, has this whole snap closure. And she was, like, laughing and wondering if I was going to think it was super weird. And I'm like, I am probably one of the few people who is overjoyed to be getting handmade reusable pads from her mother-in-law for her 30th birthday. But it was fantastic. And, I mean, so that's an option. There you go. Yeah. It is an option. It's an option I would not take. Again, you know, <laughs> there are things that I just won't do. But it's out there, you know. It's like you got to choose your comfort level. Yeah, exactly. But that's what I like about your book. You're not pushing anything on people. I just try to reason it out and say, you know, baby, me, I'm going to go with it. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. And I always say, like, yeah, if you can do it like 80% of the time, like just give yourself a free pass for the other 20% mm-hmm. because I think that's what, where people end up anyways, but they just stress and guilt and really freak out over the 20% that they're not doing. But I think 80% is a comfortable number. If you can do live a very eco-friendly green lifestyle 80% of the time, then the other 20%, you know, you have the odd plastic bag here or there, or you get takeout and you forget your containers or, you know, whatever, then, I mean, do do the best that you can, but be gentle with yourself too. I mean, we're human. I mean, everyone forgets things. Everyone sort of has those days where they just don't have the energy or whatever. So if you can aim for 80%, I, I think you're set. And I think that, I think 80% is actually a pretty good and easy to hit number too. You know, mm-hmm. because, uh, well, a lot of places are not using styrofoam cups anymore, so that's yeah. a plus. But if you bring your own travel mug, that they're selling them, so you can actually buy a Starbucks or Dunkin' Donut or whatever place, you know, so you can reuse it and wash it. And that's actually, I think that's a safe number. I don't think that's asking a whole lot. Do you? No, and I think it actually takes it out of that scary perfectionist zone. Like my, my sister-in-law, who I just moved to the same city as her, we had olive in disposable diapers. We used cloth diapers, but we had her in disposable for a few days after we moved while I was trying to find the diapers, and I was missing a whole bunch of them, so I was totally behind on diaper laundry. So she was in disposable for a few days, and my sister-in-law said to me at one point, I'm so glad to see that she's in disposables because it means that you're not perfect. Like, you, you do stuff like this. And it's like, no, of course, I'm not perfect, yeah. and you don't want to come. I don't want to come across as that scary 
creepy person who has it all together because I'm totally not. And I don't want to be like busted one day if I'm, you know, carrying a plastic bag somewhere and see someone across the street who's like, that's Madeline Somerville. She's using a plastic bag. Like, (laughs) you know, you're totally not perfect. I don't want to go into that perfectionist zone. And I don't want, you know, my friends to think I'm like that because I'm not. So I think that's why 80% is is a comfortable number. You know, it's it's doable. You're not going to be perfect. So just, you know, go with it. And, you know, your book comes across that way. You are not you are so not pushing this down someone's throat. You are so very much saying, you know, I'm not going to get rid of my car and ride a bike. I, you know, there are things that you specifically state and say, I'm not going to do this because it doesn't make sense. We live in a world where there are a lot of things that we need to do just to keep up. You know, mm-hmm. even technologically, you, you need electricity for, the, for all the gadgets that we're running just to keep up mm-hmm. so you can maintain your livelihood. So, yeah, yep. I, I like that about that. You know, there's... Um, there's a lot to do with that. Now, there are a lot of products out there that had been used years ago as cleaners or disinfectants, but they've kind of gone by the wayside because of the sprays or cleaners that seem to work faster and better. And, and although mm-hmm. that's true, there is a safety element to these current-day cleaners. And now we're Absolutely. seeing a lot more green products for sale. I kind of like the old versions. For instance, I use vinegar in my washing machine as a rinsing agent or uh, baking yeah. soda with water and making a paste to really whiten and brighten a lot of different things, you know, ceramic mm-hmm. mugs and stuff like that rather than bleach. You mentioned a lot of natural ingredients in your book as well. What are some that you find truly do work better or just the same as some of the commercial products? I find honestly that pretty much everything I make works the same or better than the stuff that I would have bought in a store. The difference is that I'm doing the work instead of the chemicals doing the work. So rather than having like a tub and tile cleaner that I just spray on and leave for 20 minutes and, you know, have to run the fan because of the chemicals and then wash off, I have a paste that I make of baking soda and water and some um, cast aisle soap that I scrub my tub with it. And it takes, you know, five minutes instead of leaving it on for 20 minutes. But I'm the one doing the scrubbing rather than letting the chemicals eat away at everything. And I mm-hmm. find, I mean, I have this gleaming tub and I think this is an an interesting way that you can kind of change your viewpoint on it. Cause I think this is where some people get turned off by it by saying, I don't want to sit there and scrub my tub, but you're getting a workout. Like you don't have to do that. I was just gonna say that. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. we sort of segment our lives into saying like, okay, this is my cleaning time and this is my exercising time. And this is my, you know, my walking time and whatever. But if you just sort of incorporate these activities into a whole life, you're getting a workout by hanging your clothes. You're getting a workout by scrubbing your tub. You know, it really doesn't take as much time as people think, and it works so well. And you don't have to have this bottle of toxic substance under your sink that you're worried about your kids getting into. And, you know, you're constantly buying the plastic bottles and having to throw them out or recycle them. I don't know. I think I think you're changing one thing for another, and it's you're exchanging something that's harmful to yourself and to the environment for something that's healthy, not just for the world around you, but for you, you're getting a little bit of a workout, you're getting a sweat. I don't know. I just, I, I think it's a bonus all around personally. I do too. I agree with that because as you were talking, saying I scrub it, I thought, well, this, I would count that as part of my workout, you know. Totally, <laughs> like, oh, okay, absolutely. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if you're cleaning an entire house and vacuuming and mopping and, and you are scrubbing things, then yes, it, it does indeed 
take effort and elbow grease, which a lot of people don't even know what that means anymore because we mm-hmm. have so many chemicals, you spray and it disappears. Where does it Absolutely. go? Is it just like a, you know, a paint thing that's over it? And what are you breathing in? What's going through the washing machine? What's going back into the water that people who have septic systems like I do, and I live mm-hmm. on a lake, so into the septic system, goes through the septic system, ultimately goes out into the lake. You know, we have things written in our deed that you can't use certain chemicals. So I have news for you. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the neighborhood is using chemicals. I mean, you know, there's no way. And the trucks that go by that say, well, you know, uh, go green with our our non-chemical fertilizers and stuff. Okay, one day a week they're doing that. The rest of the days of the week they're using chemicals. Are you really rinsing off those those big trucks every time that you're going to put in the, you know, the natural things to help the organics? I don't think you are. I think there's probably I know it's a little, <laughs> Yeah, there's sort of like shortcuts that you take because they're really appealing, but I don't think they pay off in the long run. Like you're sort of taking these shortcuts, but they end up being more harm, like doing more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even with plastic containers, I have a bunch of plastic containers that I use because I've owned them for years. You know, they're yep. Tupperware containers. They're great. You can mm-hmm. burp them. You can, when I make my batches of uh, food in September, October and put it in the freezer, I can get, you know, like 40 quarts in there of these things. And for me to go to something that's greener at this point is pointless. I might as well just exactly. keep using them until I die. Then they'll end up yep. on the, you know, landfill then instead of now. And, you know, what the heck? So yeah, like, and that's one of my friends switch things out, right? Yeah, and that's I mean, don't don't run around your house throwing out all your cleaners and throwing out all your plastic. Like I'm the same as you. I have a whole cupboard full of plastic Tupperware. I think that I got at IKEA when Adam and I first got married. And some people are surprised when they come over that I'm using plastic. But why would I throw it out? I already have it. I'm using it. Mm-hmm. We all know that Tupperware, you know, you, you lose it and it breaks and whatever. So as it does that, I'm replacing it with glass or I'm using jars instead. So I'm not running out and buying more. But, no, if you've got stuff in your house, use it. Like if you've got, you know, stuff like that, use it until you can't anymore and then replace it. And, I mean, that's something that's simpler to do. You're, you're not having to make this huge 180 and, and spend a ton of money and do it all at once. And, I mean, it's just that kind of idea of being green doesn't mean buying green things. Oftentimes, being green means not buying things altogether. So that's kind of the way it's shifted as as it sort of picked up steam in, in popular culture, is being green is something that's being marketed more and more because that's how we make money off of it is that they have to sell it a really eco-friendly life. You're consuming as little as possible, and that's a huge focus of my book as well, is just reducing, period. So cutting down the amount of of things that you're using and buying and bringing into your home is one of the most powerful things you can do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The, you know, and, and just because money's green doesn't mean we have to go that way. Give green money to the big CEO people, you know, it doesn't have to be like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know. I think that sometimes people, it's just a matter as almost every show is that we talk about or every topic is that we talk about on this show. It's a matter of awareness and allowing yourself to be in that state of awareness to see, okay, what's going to be better? Do I take all these things and throw them in a landfill now or I lose them, use them until I die and somebody else throws them in a landfill later? I might as well use mm-hmm. them instead of buying new things because I have them. And, you know, and that mm-hmm. kind of works that way. So I, I think that's a, a, a great way to 
to, you know, to say all of that, to put it all together. You know, Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, many of which we have discussed on this show, including The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, The Courage to be Free by Guy Finley, A Message of Hope from the Angels by Lorna Byrne, and of course, Dr. Bernie Siegel, who has been here numerous times. Just search for his name and you'll see a number of his books on audible.com. There are so many books available from them and there are so many different authors. The best part is that you can listen to audiobooks on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our URL, which is audibletrial.com slash energyawareness, you get one free audiobook along with a one-month trial of the service. So write this down, www.audibletrial.com slash energyawareness, and you'll be able to find books of interest to you. We really do appreciate all of our listeners, and we're so grateful for your support. So remember, the site is www.audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. You know, one of the things that I think people don't fully understand about recycling is that there are other forms of recycling that we don't think about as recycling or perhaps we do we just don't know that they had other words for instance upcycling i love that term this to me Mm -hmm. is the form repurposing and i think a lot of people do that but don't necessarily think of it as recycling rather than get rid of something you use it for something else giving it a new purpose and a second life if you will so maybe a pair of jeans becomes a skirt or or gum wrappers or i've seen magazine covers become a purse and it was very Mm -hmm. cool also i Place. There's a license plate purse out there. There are tons of creative ideas that allow us to upcycle. That is correct. That is what I, upcycling is, right? I'm going to ask you the expert. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, totally not an expert, but yeah, that's my understanding of it as well. It's just, yeah, taking something that had maybe has outlived its life in one incarnation and creating it into something else. It's, it's, uh, it can be done, and it can be done rather easily if you just think about We probably do it more frequently than we realize, actually. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in cleaning out the garage this past weekend, uh, we came across a what would have been a workbench. And my husband got it from um, some gentleman who was very, very old whose grandfather had it. And somehow we acquired it. And it's not put together with any nails. It's put together with slats and then these thick bands of wood. That's what holds mm-hmm. the whole thing together. I have to tell you, the pieces are very, very sturdy, and they're very heavy. And Mm -hmm. I looked at it, and I thought, huh, okay, what can we use this for? Well, I've been looking for a potting table. And I thought, you know what? I have a potting table now. It's just sitting here. Perfect. Exactly. So things like that where you don't think you're really repurposing something, but you are. Granted, it's a table. A table is a table, work table, potting table. But you can do other Mm -hmm. things like the jeans into skirts issue or you know you might not want to take gum wrappers and make a pocketbook let someone else do that but you know there are things that we can do oh and it's so easy I mean I sometimes get intimidated by stuff like this because I have zero sewing capabilities so I feel like oh if I could sew I could you know turn a pillowcase into a dress for my daughter and I could you know turn her old onesies into a quilt and all this stuff but I Clearly the fact that I'm 30 years old and have never even made the smallest attempt to learn how to sew shows how high that is on my desire of things to do. But even just really simple things like storing your kids' art and using it as wrapping paper at Christmas for, you know, grandparents Mm. or relatives, something like that. Or um, shop, yeah, like you were saying, shopping in your own house before going out, out and buying something in a big box store. Like we are looking for a desk for my office and downstairs in the, in the, this house that we just bought is an old door. 
So we're going to take the door and put a filing cabinet on one end and buy some legs for the other. And there's your desk. And it doesn't cost you anything. And you don't have to get rid of this old door. And you don't have to go to a big box store and buy this particle board thing that's going to chip and break in five years and end up in a landfill. And it's cool. I mean, you're never going to walk into somebody else's office and see that exact desk and you know when somebody comes in or if we move we can talk about how this was the door that came from our first house that we ever bought and and sort of I just I guess because I'm a writer I love the story behind things and for me it's far more meaningful to have a story like that than to have you know oh well I saw that on page 137 of the catalog and then we drove down and got it and then we assembled it (laughs) like the, the other story is a little bit more interesting to me. I agree. I mean, that's how I felt when my husband said, oh, this is supposed to be a workbench. And I said, oh. And then he told me where it came from. And I said, well, it's a shame that it's just sitting here. Why don't I Mm -hmm. use it as a potting table? And I like the story behind it because it's that old that it's not made with nails. It's Mm -hmm. not put together with nails, and yet it's very sturdy. And I thought, this is wicked cool. I mean, I can see me actually putting it together and saying, okay, I do like it. I'm going to use it. And then taking it apart, sanding it all down, and refinishing it. I'll have the nicest plumbing table going. Absolutely. Because you think, I mean, it's lasted. Yeah, and if it's lasted this long, like, that's how well made it was. That's the thing that I always find is that, I have a big thing in my book about shopping secondhand, especially for furniture, which... I didn't used to do because it felt kind of like, well, you know, I have money. Why wouldn't I buy new? And then I realized that I couldn't, I didn't really have money to buy really nice furniture. So I was buying sort of the entry level temporary furniture, which looked great for about five minutes and then kind of looked really crappy. And I realized that by shopping secondhand, you could see what something looked like after a year because people were selling it. And so you could see Mm -hmm. how all those popular stores, how their stuff looked after a few years, and it didn't look great. Whereas you looked at some of these old couches or, you know, old dressers, which, yeah, were solid wood, and they're heavy as heck. You have to get five people Mm -hmm. to use them, but you can sand them, you can paint them. I redid one for my daughter's nursery and used as a change table, and I mean, you know that if it's lasted 80 years that you're going to be good for another 20 because it's just they're so solid. They were really built to last. That's true, and I like the idea of the door. I mean, I'm thinking that's really cool because, yeah, people come in, and it is a conversation piece, but it has a story. And, you know, sometimes you don't know what the story is of the person that it came from, but if it came to you, there's a re- I believe there's a reason it came to you, and who knows what it may inspire or create within you. Just the energy mm-hmm. of it. There's energy in everything, and that energy will somehow speak to you. As crazy as people think, oh, yeah, that's T going off about the energy and speaking to her. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> it does speak to you, and you don't know. Maybe I'll grow some beautiful flowers from my potting table. Maybe I won't. Maybe, you know, I'll get an idea to plant a new garden. Who knows? Maybe you'll be inspired to write another book. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And I definitely think, I mean, yeah, wherever you are on the spectrum of believing in energy or anything like that, I think we've all had that experience of walking into a house or walking into an antique shop or something, and you get a feeling about the place, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I think objects are imbued with a sort of, I don't know, I find that old stuff has a weight to it, and not just a physical weight, but it just feels significant somehow. Mm-hmm. Like it's lasted that long. It's like looking at a really old tree and thinking everything that that tree has witnessed and lived through. And, you know, you look at some of these pieces of furniture and you wonder what they've seen. And, I mean, I just find that irresistible. That is. That is fascinating. There's also another part of recycling that's called downcycling. And that's when we take something and make it less than what it was when it was in its original condition, such as, you know, ripping clothing or sheets for rags. Or for me, 
I reuse paper that I print documents on and then no longer need by inserting it into my printer and putting on the clean side for drafts, mm-hmm. things that I have to check before I'm going to do it. Or I cut it up and I use it as notepaper for messages or reminders to myself or a shopping list or something like that. You can even crumple up that paper and use it instead of bubble wrap when wrapping gifts or sending packages through the mail. Now, those mm-hmm. are what I believe are examples of downcycling, correct? Totally, yeah, and that's something that's really easy to do as well. And just it's again that awareness of rather than thinking, oh, this is broken or this is stained, I'm going to throw it out. You know, I mean, I'm a horrifically messy eater, and you always have, or I always have those shirts. You know, the one stained right in the middle. And you know, you're never going to wear that shirt again, and you can't get it out. And you know, you're throwing away a whole shirt when 10% of it is is stained. So yeah, cutting it up for rags or you know, if you've got a child and you want to use cloth wipes, you can use it for that. Or, you know, dog slobber rags if you've got a giant messy dog mm-hmm. like me. Anything and just looking at something and rather than real, thinking, okay, this isn't a shirt anymore and throwing it out, re- thinking what else could this be is super helpful. Even if it just goes from, for instance, you know, I do a lot of work around the house and if I stain something or it gets messy, it becomes my workout clothes because I have workout equipment in my basement. So I walk down the stairs and work out three days a week. And who's going to see me? I don't have to look pretty. Who am I trying to impress? I just rolled out of bed, brushed my teeth, throw on clothes. And I don't care what they, I don't care if they have holes in them. I don't care. This is, I'm going to sweat. This is the job. I'm going mm-hmm. to just sweat. So I just put that on. And then sometimes I'll just change them into, well, okay, this is good enough to go out and garden and weed. Who cares if people see me in the front yard? I don't. I really don't. Because yeah. I'm not dressing up to on the hat and the gloves and look like a 1950s, you know, woman out there weeding and, oh, and I do, no, I'm out there, I'm doing work. I'm busting my ass to get this yard to look good, and that's what I'm yeah. doing. So, you know, to me, that's like just shifting it around. Even when I go for a walk, I, you know, I don't wear a lot of T-shirts, but I'll put on a clean T-shirt, I'll put on a pair of jeans, and I don't wear, I don't buy like walking clothes or, you know, mm-hmm. i, I got to have for working. That to me is just a waste. It's a total waste. So you can repurpose icky clothes to do those things if you work out at home. I get if you go to a gym, you have to look halfway decent. I understand that. You know, but if you're riding your bicycle, nobody's looking at you. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, just, exactly. You know, if you're going for a walk, who cares, you know? But that's just me. I'm not telling anybody else. <laughs> I'm shocked that you don't have specific walking clothes. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you got to have just a specific walking outfit, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. <laughs> It depends on where you live in the country, you know. I guess, yeah, yeah. You know, are you wearing that? Yeah, I am. If you're too embarrassed to be with me, I'll walk with someone else. (laughs) You know, I don't really care. (laughs) Take it or leave it, yeah. I don't care what I look like, you know. It just really works out well. (laughs) And then, of course, we have another category of recycling, which is pre-cycling or preventing recycling. And this is where you purchase things like concentrated products, for instance, um, juices or detergents. So you have less packaging, so there's less recycling mm-hmm. down the road. Or when you use long-lasting products, batteries, light bulbs, anything like that, we need them. But if we use longer-life products, there's not as much packaging to get rid of over the course of time. So and when it's also when um, like you'll forego the disposable items such as paper plates, towels, and napkins, and instead use, like you said, cloth napkins, rags from old sheets of clothing, you're going to do the laundry anyway. A few more napkins are really not going to tax the laundry load, and there won't be any packaging or the product itself to recycle. So that's mm-hmm. pre-cycling. And I think people probably do that unknowingly because it's, it's also a money and time saver in a lot of cases. Yeah, and that, exactly. That it can take far more cost yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think and it doesn't have to be um, – I think that sometimes – 
when we talk about stuff like that, it doesn't come across as sexy. You know, it doesn't, A, because it doesn't have an advertising budget, people saying, you know, you can rip sheets up into napkins. Like, it, it, it's not this sort of glossy, <laughs> sexy thing. But it doesn't have to be ugly or utilitarian. Like, I mean, I love beauty in my home. I love creating a home that's attractive. And I do spend a lot of time making sure that my surroundings are pleasing and that people would come into my house and, and feel like it was a beautiful place to be. And that is important to me, as, as frivolous as it can sometimes sound. And so living a green life doesn't mean you have to live in this Spartan, you know, utilitarian environment where nothing is beautiful. And, and one of the things I talk about is, yeah, instead of using paper plates, you can buy secondhand dishes. But, you know, I have this gorgeous collection of mismatched secondhand dishes, and some of them are these old lady ones with roses and a gold rim, and some are these beautiful sort of um, blue and white designs. Like, it, it can really be beautiful, and you can create beauty from from secondhand items and from recycling things, and it doesn't have to be um, ugly or bare or... You know what I mean? I just feel like sometimes when we discuss things like that, people get this image in their head of, you know, this woman, this peasant woman scrubbing floors. And she, you know, I just, I, I still think there's room for beauty in this lifestyle. There is. And you know who, who actually is a proponent of that? And I don't even think she realized she was at the time when she did it. But quite a few years ago, Martha Stewart came up with the eclectic dining table. And it was all these mm. different dishes. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that was a way to, you know, go to an antique store. I mean, Westport, Connecticut, right? So they have a lot of antique stores on old Boston yeah, Post Road. Yeah, she was like uh, fancy they, antiques. Yeah, yeah. But it was still using something. And she, and there's a couple of restaurants where I am that, and I think this is, I've seen this in other parts of the country when I've traveled as well, uh, tea, tea houses where you go in mm-hmm. and they're going to have, this not match sets. They didn't go out and buy yeah. everything from, you know, Lennox. They just said, okay, we're going to get these odd things and everybody gets a different cup at the table and it doesn't match the plate because you all have a different plate so it's not a complete set. And you know what? Women love that. They dress up, they wear hats, they wear gloves, they go, they love it, they think it's great. Yeah, if it you can do it out, you might as well do it at home. <laughs> yep, and it's attractive, it's comfortable, and it, I mean, it's so simple. If something breaks, you're not stressed about it because you paid 25 cents for it and it's not like you now have seven plates out of a set instead of eight. You can just go and... You know, we made it a fun thing where one Christmas I asked all of my family members to go to a secondhand store and pick their favorite plate and bring it. So everyone sort of picked one out. And when it's time to have dinner, everyone requests their favorite plate. Like, it's sort of a fun thing. And, it, I mean, I, I find it beautiful to see a table set like that. Like you were saying, it's just this gorgeous sort of bohemian vibe that feels really comfortable. But it is very attractive, too. And it's in style. I mean, you can say, you, no one can say, well, no one does that. Yeah, Martha's doing it. You know, if Martha's mm-hmm. doing it, everybody else is doing it. She's got whole magazines. You know? <laughs> you know? Exactly. It. It's a Bible to them. Oh, Martha's magazine, you know. <laughs> Thank God for Martha. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's too funny. <laughs> I do, you know, I do try to think green when I go out and purchase an item. And it's so easy to do when you're looking for appliances because it will give you the energy efficiency of the appliance. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're buying a product, another product will jump on that bandwagon and say, oh, yeah, but we're greener. So you'll kind of go and look at that product. But when there isn't a, a product that reminds you of that, because sometimes you just have to get something, you know, and there are times mm-hmm. when you need to have those paper towels. I mean, I, yep. I have an energy therapy practice, and it's a public restroom, and those people are not, I don't want them to use towels. They should be using mm-hmm. paper towels. When I go to a public restroom, I want paper towels. I do not mm-hmm. want to be using a towel five other people use. So, yep. you know, when we go and we stand in front of these products to make a decision, do you have any tips as to, you know, remember, remember to look for something that's green? Or how do we do that without 
without living that lifestyle completely? How do we get accustomed to that so that we don't need that reminder of, oh, is it energy efficient or, oh, is it, you know, uh, does it have a label on it or something? How do we know mm-hmm. what to look for? I think that this is an important thing because it's, again, that awareness. And the questions that I have sort of fallen into asking myself and that I find are really helpful is, number one, do I need it? And this is always a tough one because I always want to say, yes, I need that beautiful bowl or yes, I need that pillow because I just feel like it's, it needs to be on my couch. It has to be, but technically, no, I don't need it. And so this is a good way to kind of weed out those impulse purchases or those things where you find that you really, really want it, but you don't quite know where you'd put it or there, there isn't really a use for it. You just kind of are aching for it. So do you need it? That's the first question. The second question is, can I make it? So this is where I eliminate a lot of my products that I would like. I don't really go down the cleaning aisle in the supermarket anymore because I can make window spray. I can make all cleaning spray. I can make, um, you know, a disinfectant spray. I can make laundry detergent. I can make shampoo and conditioner and, and toothpaste. So I, that's the second place that I try and cut down is can I make it? Um, the, the third one is can I buy it secondhand? And this is more for clothing or um, appliances even or um, – uh, like even decorative household items, anything like that, is can I find it secondhand? So, you know, put off the purchase for a few weeks, lurk on your local um, your local secondhand sites. Or there's a lot of Facebook groups that are popping up for, for buy and sell stuff. Look on there, see if you can find something that fits the bill. Um, and then if you if you do if you do need it, you can't make it, you can't find it secondhand. Try and buy the best quality product that you can. So if you're buying tank tops. Don't buy, you know, the three for five dollar tank tops. Buy the really buy the best quality that you can afford so that you're not going to be buying tank tops again in a month because the ones that you bought didn't wash well and they're all stretched out of shape. So try and buy the best quality that you can afford so that it lasts. And then try and buy something that you can dispose of responsibly when you're done with it. So this is where plastic usually gets cut out for me. I try and avoid things that are plastic because they don't last as long. They tend to break more easily and they just they sit in the landfill for millions of years after I'm done using them. So, you know, I try and buy things that are wood or glass or metal, things that I can, like you were saying, repurpose or I can fix once I'm done with them. In terms of products like household products or beauty products, I totally get that some people just aren't interested in making their own. It it can be really tricky to weed out the stuff that is actually eco-friendly versus the stuff that is just, they flat you know, slapped it in like a brown paper packaging and, and put natural on the label. Um, you really mm-hmm. have to read ingredients carefully. And if you if you don't know what it is and you can't pronounce it and it doesn't give you any hints, there's a lot of certifications that can come across. Like there's um, a Green Canada one that does a certification. This is where you do sometimes have to take the time to go and do your research and read labels and figure out what it is that you're buying. And that can be time-consuming. But I think it's important because you need to know what you're getting. And you do sort of vote with your dollars when you go and spend money. And you want to make sure that you're, you're spending money on, on the companies that have actually taken the time and effort to develop something that is eco-friendly and that also still works. So, yeah, definitely a lot of label reading going on if, if you're buying, like, cleaners and stuff like that to make sure that it is a green product. Yeah, when people are so... Uh, picky, and I, I suppose we all should be, about what they're putting on their face when it comes to skin care and looking good and makeup, and yet they're not necessarily all that picky about some of the ingredients that are in things that are going to really truly affect their skin that they're going to put that expensive makeup on. 
And Mm -hmm. if they looked at it that way and saw that, you know what, I've got all these chemicals, for instance, shampoo, people buy all these outrageously expensive shampoos. Okay, shampoo, Mm -hmm. you put it in, you rinse it out, really doesn't do anything to your hair. Pay a little bit more Mm -hmm. for the conditioner. You know, make your own conditioner. Don't use conditioner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there are so many things you can do. But baby shampoo is actually great if you're going to buy something because it's inexpensive and it gets the dirt out, and that's really all you need. The shampoo with all the extra stuff in it isn't doing anything. You put it in, you wash it out. You know, mm-hmm. it's a dime-sized dot. You put it in, you wash it out. Now, you might leave the conditioner on for five minutes or maybe three minutes in the shower or maybe two minutes. It depends on how much of a rush I'm in in the morning. So I'm mm-hmm. not spending a lot of money on that stuff. And one of the things in your book, I mean, I use a lot of uh, carrier oil. I use jojoba oil or coconut oil. I make my own moisturizer. Mm-hmm. I have for years. People are always saying, why does your skin look so good? It's like, I don't know. It could be the jojoba, the co- coconut oil that I use that I put lavender oil in and peppermint oil in. And I, I'm like an alchemist, and I put all this stuff you know, I'm doing all this stuff. Doesn't it feel like you're just this magician whipping things up? Yeah, and but I know it, it feels good when it's sucked into your skin because you know you're putting mm-hmm. good stuff in, and it's so much cheaper than all the junk that's out there that really, when I look at the ingredient label, if you can't pronounce it, you probably don't need it, you know, because yeah, you can't pronounce surprising. it. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's surprising to me even continually, like as I, I mean, I'm always learning new things and I'm always trying new things. And it's just always surprising to me how these simple homemade things work as well or better as the stuff that I've been buying. Like it's, it's just shocking to me. And I think, why are they making this stuff in the first place? And it's because, I mean, obviously everybody wants to profit off of it and you can't patent, you know, baking soda shampoo or apple cider conditioner. Right. But <laughs> like when I started making my own shampoo and conditioner, I was amazed at how well it worked. Like, I couldn't believe it. It was one ingredient for shampoo and one ingredient for conditioner. And it just didn't seem like it should work. But it did. And it was so crazy. And that was just, like, this mind-blowing moment for me. And then I made lotion a few weeks ago, which was just water, olive oil, and beeswax. And there's a recipe on my blog for it. But my skin feels amazing. And I... Like, it's just so strange to me that you can just make that. Like, three ingredients, Mm -hmm. you whip it up in five minutes, it's done. It's all stuff that's edible. Like, if I wanted to sit down and chow down on my lotion, I would probably feel a little bit gross after, but I wouldn't be any worse for wear. And I just think things like that are just absolutely unreal that you can make them, and they're so simple. Yeah. It is. It's even paste. You know, water and flour makes paste. Add an egg and you got a cake. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it's true. we complicate sometimes you know like i think yeah. we just you think it's this magic and that if you want beautiful shiny hair you have to have 15 different ingredients but you don't it's so crazy you totally don't it really is it is it is crazy what we're getting close to the top of the hour so i want to ask you this question what do you find to be the most challenging aspect of green living I think it's the planning. It does take some amount of organization and planning, which is not always my strong suit, and even less so since I had my daughter. I have a tip in my book about remembering your plastic bags, and this is something I genuinely did and still do, where I don't use bags if I have something I can carry. So if I'm only picking up one or two things, I don't get a bag. Um, If I go to the grocery store and I forgot my bags, I would not buy plastic bags. I would load everything individually into my cart and I would load it individually into my car and I would load it individually into my house. And that whole process was so painful that I would remember my bags next time. And I did this. I did this all the time until I learned my lesson. And after I had my daughter, I just remember being with her at the supermarket one time and she was a few months old and I had forgotten my bags and I just thought, oh, to hell with her, give me plastic. Like she's screaming, I'm tired, we need to, like it was just this moment where I realized 
okay, I need to do more planning, <laughs> like stuff like that. You do need a little bit more organization. And that's where I sort of developed the 80% rule is I just thought, I have a newborn. I haven't slept in weeks. I'm exhausted. I can't even remember which way my shirt is on. And I need to just be graceful and, and be gentle with myself if, I, if I'm forgetting things or if I'm not doing something 100%. But it does take a little bit more planning. Once you do it, you're set. Like all of my stuff uses basically the five, same five or six ingredients. So, you know, you stock up on vinegar, baking soda, borax, washing soda, you know, cast aisle soap, and you're pretty much set for almost everything that you need to make. But it just does take that, oh, I'm almost out of laundry detergent, so I need to whip up a new badge, which really is not that more, much more difficult than, you know, adding it to your shopping list to remember to go to the store next time. But it just takes that extra five minutes, and I usually make my husband do it when he's watching TV so that he could just, you know, he's useful at least. But, um, yeah, it takes <laughs> a little bit more time in planning and, and just sticking to it, absolutely. I think that's great. I, I love that ever you do include some of these recipes in your book. I love that it's categorized. I love that it, you don't force it down anyone, but you make suggestions and you're offering ways that are better for us and for us to be more aware and think things through so that you aren't just automatically picking up things and saying, well, this will be good enough and actually thinking about everybody else. It, it's a wonderful book. It's full of humor. It, you shoot straight from the hip, which I love because I talk like that too. And I thought this <laughs> is great. So it really is a guide that I would think people would want to keep in their kitchen or somewhere just to refer to because you'll get so many helpful hints from it. Think, and you'll be surprised at how many things you actually do now that you probably can just enhance a little bit and do even mm -hmm. better that will make a greater impact. As I said, we're almost at the top of the hour, Madeline. Th I want to thank you so much for joining us. But before we go, would you please tell our listeners how they can learn more about you and where they may purchase your book? Yeah, my blog is, uh, my personal blog is sweetmadeline.ca. The blog for the book is allyouneedisless.ca. My book is available on Amazon. Just search for All You Need Is Less. Or go to your local bookstore. That's what I would love people to do is go to your local bookstore and see if they have a copy. Ask them to order a copy and then pass it on when you're done. Copy down the recipes that you need and pass it on to a friend. Sort of keep the, keep the random acts of kindness for the earth going. I loved how you described that at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is a random acts of kindness for the earth. She does it's so a much great for way us. To she, it. she, you know, she puts up with us. You know, on her, we're like fleas on hers. I'm surprised she's not mm -hmm. shaking us all off. Although lately she has been, and I don't. I have to say, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. So, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio. So please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world. That's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised, so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live productively healthfully and purposefully and this is where you find the tools to do just that so send the link to this show that you just listened to to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all thanks again madeline i really appreciate you sharing your time with us tonight it was very informative and it was fun it was a lot of fun thank you <laughs> thanks so much for having me you're welcome. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in this evening. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. So get out your calendar and make note of that now so you remember to tune in next week. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archived list of past shows, a lineup for upcoming shows, as well as events that I will be hosting throughout the year, including upcoming Crystal Singing Bowl concerts. So if 
you're not in the area or you can't make a concert, you can order my CD, Imagine, from the site as well. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T. Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. I got a roof over my head. I got a warm place to sleep. So that's my life wake up again. Dead as a sheep. I got a When I remember how I got a plan.